0: Welcome to the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. Larry Kreider here, where we learn these amazing truths uh, that we can make small changes in our lives and make a huge difference in the future, not only in our lives, but in those whom we serve. With me again today is Lisa Hostler, the author of The Unexhausted Leader. Lisa, welcome back. Thank you so much. We're going to dig into this book today, and I want you to tell us again, uh, for some of us hearing the first time, why in the world did you ever write this book?
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I never set out to write a book. I did like writing class in high school, but never thought that I would write a book. But the founder of our ministry said, Lisa, someday you're going to write a book on leadership. And I just laughed when she said that, <laughs> thinking like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not John Maxwell or any of these other great leaders. But then in 1998, God did the most amazing transformation in our ministry. And I thought, this is book worthy. I'll write a book about the greatest leader, who is Jesus Christ. Right. And so then that's what happened. I I wrote it according to a paradigm change that God brought into our ministry that is literally life-changing for each of us as individuals and for the ministry.
0: I love this book. I read it cover to cover. And... uh... Now, you've done some writing before, but you, you're a blogger, right? Yes. Aren't you? Isn't yes. Yes. And so that's your personal website, your blogs. anybody You right. can, can get that. And that's all in the show notes if you need to check that out. But let's talk about the book. The unexhausted leader, and we're going to look at it from a, from a couple of different perspectives. You use the word alignment a lot. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about alignment. What does that mean? What? How does that play out in the book? Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah. Well, what comes to mind is that my writing coach said to me as I was starting the process of trying to put these amazing truths that god had taught us into book form and how do you even do that right. how do you set up the chapters yeah. and she said to me it'd be good if you came up with principles lisa and i actually thought to myself what actually is a principle i mean think about it do you know what a principle is so i looked it up what is a principle and then <laughs> you know so i got it like in my head and then i had like sorry, with eight or ten and then I thought, that's too many, and I boiled it down to three. And so the first one is alignment. Talk to us about that. So honoring lordship brings alignment. So actually, literally, in the workspace, in your ministry time, at church, throughout the work week, if you will worship in the varieties of ways that we can worship God— you will become aligned with him versus being aligned with your busy projects or with anything else that you're actually being aligned to. It's kind of like what you stare at, you become kind of thing. So if you will consciously spend time with the Lord at work, you will become aligned with him. And alignment, he wants us to be aligned with Correct. him. It's Obviously. very important. So so that's the first principle is- Talk
0: to us about how that works practically. What does it yeah. look like practically for yeah. you? How have you learned how did you learn this process? Have you always done this? No,
1: no. And so what happened is that there was a prophetic word that was spoken over me and our ministry, you know, representatively uh, at a a leadership gathering. And it was a place where two gentlemen had taught on having the Lord on the throne of your ministry and on the throne of your life. And Mm -hmm. um, I thought, well, I think I do do that. You know, I think most of us think we do that, you know, but at the end they offered to pray For people as individuals, and I knew that I knew something was off in me and that you know, there was something kind of not quite right about how I was functioning in leadership. And so I was actually thinking they'd probably discern that and pray it out loud in front of my five other staffers who were there. So I decided I would wait until they each received prayer and left, and then I would get prayer, which the word for that is pride. And so they did not leave. They stayed because they wanted to hear what God would say to me. And what God said through these two men is that... Um, God wants to teach us something at the, at our ministry that would bring us into greater levels of intimacy with him mm. which is something that we would then be passing on to others. Yes. And actually when he said that I thought, "Well, I think we do already do that. We had already started to help other ministries and and I felt like we were intimate sure. with the Lord." You know, you kind of think you're doing okay right. until God shows you there's a higher level in That's him. Right. So, you know, I'm kind of wrestling with what he's saying and then the other gentleman prayed. And he said, there's a warning that goes with this though, Lisa, and that is that you and your board and your staff and some of your volunteers have grown weary and God wants to bring a rest into your ministry. And I just thought like, Man, like, how did he know that I am weary? Like, you know, don't I like act chipper enough that people can't see it? Well, I think I do act chipper enough and people couldn't see it, but the Lord saw it and was addressing it. And so that's what started it. And I went home that night just like kind of chafing at this word about weariness and rest and thinking, like, oh man, like I've been found out I'm weary. And and that was from like functioning as a lone ranger, and just that's the only way I knew to function was to find out what God wanted to do and help everybody else see they should follow me and let's go do it. Um, so that produces weariness, that produces burnout. Um, and so as I talk this through with God, I'm admitting that I'm weary, which I hadn't admitted it before that, and then you know I was drawn to this word rest that they had prayed about. And Psalm 62, one says that true rest is found in the presence of the Lord. Right. And I thought, um, well, yeah, I know that I experienced that when I'm with the Lord on my own at home. But he was talking about like, this is going to transform our organization. And mm-hmm. I just didn't get how that could be. that something that I viewed as a personal on your own kind of thing would come into our ministry. So the next day, I shared this with the other staffers, and I said, are any of you weary? And they all nodded their head. And I thought, oh, great. Did it surprise you? Yeah. Did it? Yeah. And I just felt so terrible that I lead a ministry in a way that produces weariness. And so I said, well, somehow God's going to change this. I don't know how that's going to be. But the next thing that happened is I was in a uh, meeting with a relatively new staffer, orienting her. At the end of the meeting, we had uh, plenty of time to pray. And so I said to her, hey, we have lots of time to pray. And here's my list of important things that we should pray about. And there were like seven or eight things on this list. And I showed it to her. I probably gave a copy to her of uh, our prayer agenda. <laughs> and anyway, so I start praying and and I just like the first thing that came into my mind is that like God, I want you to be on the throne of our ministry and when people think of our ministry, I don't just want them to think how excellent and professional it is. I want them to think of you. Right. Not like of us, you know, and and as I was praying and then I said to him, yeah, like and where is this weariness coming from? And as I was praying that, I had a vision of the Lord on his throne Mm. and the train of his robe filling the temple. Well, then my friend, the staffer, started to pray, and she was sensing like angels who were encircling the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And what happened, this is a longer story than I'll share now, but basically the holiness and the presence of God descended on us in that way that is very weighty. And you are undone by that kind of holiness. Mm -hmm. And uh, we could not even talk. And afterwards, as we began to talk, I said, like, you know, what was going through my mind was, woe is me. Mm -hmm. I'm a man of unclean lips. Mm -hmm. And I knew that was in the Bible. I just didn't know exactly where. So I looked it up, found that it was Isaiah 6. And so I'm reading it to her. It starts out by saying that, you know, King Uzziah, like, um, he saw the Lord right. and seated on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy. And, and then Isaiah is saying, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. And And the thing was, that time of being in God's presence and feeling his holiness, there was a rest that entered our spirits that was beyond anything I'd ever encountered before. Mm. And I said to her, you know, this, this has really been restful, but and that's what those guys were praying about yesterday. But it's not like we can just like hang out with God here at the ministry. But I knew he was on to something. And so yeah. that's how it started. And then the next day, though, what our practice was each morning was to pray for clients. You know, each day we prayed for one or two clients in an anonymous way and then so we did for 30 minutes, that was our time with the Lord was praying for clients. Because when you're with the Lord, you have to be productive.
0: <laughs> um, but you know, I had
1: experienced that no, actually, he wants to be worshiped. That's right. He wants to minister to us, he wants to help us. And so um, as we were praying for clients, this other staffer said, I think we're supposed to worship Lisa. And I thought to myself, I think you're not in charge, and I think we should be praying for clients. But I said to her, well, then let's go ahead and worship. And so as we worshiped, the presence of the Lord fell again, Mm. that holiness. The others experienced it. And then day by day, God weaned us from this task-oriented praying that we were doing into flat-out worship, and for 10 whole years— At our ministry, to institute this in such a strong way, God had us start every day, Monday through Friday, with an hour of worship.
0: Wow. For ten years.
1: Ten years. Ten years. And then what happened in the midst of that is that as you're worshiping the Lord, He has things that He wants to say. Exactly. And we didn't know that that was going to come. We thought all we knew is that we're going to worship God, and we were, and it was wonderful, and we were being replenished and refreshed. Uh, But then we found that he had things to say, and he had ideas about running the ministry that were way better than ours. And so as we started to experience that, we began to say to him, God, like, take a fine-tooth comb over our whole ministry, and wherever there's man-made ideas that we came up with out of our good hearts but not prayed about, really— then please show us and we'll we'll switch him to your ideas. And it, it it was very comprehensive and it was very detailed and it was beautiful. And he did it not in a in he didn't change us in a month, he changed us over the years yes. as he revealed yes. things to us. Yes. And I mean just one example of that is that at one point as we were writing radio ads to reach abortion determined women who you know would be more career savvy um, in some cases and so we wanted to write these radio ads that were slick and catchy and would appeal to that you know business type woman and we wrote them and they were really cool and no women ever responded to the ads at all. And so then, then I thought like, wow, maybe we should ask God how he wants these ads to be, which was a new concept for me. I was still learning this. And so I sat down with the team that had written the other ad that no one responded to. I said, let's pray about this and see what God says. And so we're listening, we're praying. And basically what he's saying to us is, you should be appealing to the maternal heart within that woman that I created. And that's what's going to get her attention. Wow. And you should use testimonies from your volunteers or your staffers who've been in a crisis pregnancy or have had an abortion. And so that's what we did. And the calls flooded in. Wow. Wow. And so time and again, we just saw the superiority of God's wisdom, which, of course, he says in Isaiah that, you know, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts. And like who wouldn't want to hang out with God? Well, just for the sake of hanging out with him, but also to have him give you better ways of serving people.
0: I love your vulnerability and I love your God stories. It's so true. It's yeah. so right. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about agreement.
1: Yeah, so that was like the third principle that in the book it's a second, but as it happened in real life it was third. So we learn to align with God And then, you know, another principle is advancement. So we're uh, discerning God's wisdom together brings advancement. So you get his better ideas to advance the ministry in his way. Um, He showed us then that it would be really important for us to be brothers and sisters in the Lord together, not just in the casual chatty way that a group of Christians might know a little bit about each other's lives and sometimes there's a hard thing going on, but to really share the raw, real stuff that we were right, going through. Right. Not inappropriately, sure, but sure. you know, in an appropriate way and um, so we began to do that. And what, so here's an example. So at a typical leadership team, which there would be four of us around the table, we'll start by having the first half hour, or 45 minutes. It's never timed, but it's that much time out of two hours. It's all in this paradigm of aligning with God, watching him advance the ministry and agreeing with each other. Mm. And so, so it might involve, um. Let's say somebody lays out a question and we rotate leadership because I don't I'm not the only one with a strong relationship with God. They That's each right. have one and they each have a way they're gifted and a way God's speaking to them that should affect all of us. And so maybe, um, oh, well, like one time I brought garden tools, so like a spade and, you know, um, the thing that you scrape the ground with, I can't think of what it's called, and just you know, gloves and a little bucket. And I put it out there and said, let's let's spend some time with the Lord worshiping and let him just draw you to which tool he's using in your life right now. Well, then you're going to hear stories about, well, right now he's pruning me in this area. Right. That right. if you just said to the person, how was your weekend? Mm-hmm. You're not going to hear how God's right. pruning them. Right. So you had to be intentional about it. Um, or I was at a ministry um, helping their team to grow in this way and they felt that they knew each other pretty well and I knew that if they hadn't functioned in this, they probably didn't. And I said, how about if we each take a little container of clay, so pass it around, and we spend some time worshiping and, and we just form with clay um, something that depicts a way that God is shaping our lives right now. And so we each took like five, 10 minutes to do that. And then we went around the table and I was the only one who wasn't part of this ministry team, but they knew, all knew each other really well. When the third person shared, what she shared was so heartfelt and tender that she ended up in tears. All the other people were in tears. The leader of the ministry said, I did not know that about you. Mm. And I just thought Mm. that's because we don't take time to really know each other as brothers and sisters and the thing that happens i mean that in and of itself is valuable and should happen but but what god does with that is that then at a leadership team meeting or wherever you have your people gathered and you're doing this everyone feels valued and Mm -hmm. important and that they've contributed and then they're more likely to express their opinion when you're talking through issues related to the ministry because they've already been open about their personal stuff or what god's teaching them and so quieter people interject more More verbal people might hang back a little bit because they realize, yeah, other people have things to say. And you get much, you have much more robust conversations, stronger opinions. And all of that is going to lead to a greater uh, decision-making process.
0: Right. So would you say then that alignment is dealing with our relationship with God more? Yes. And then agreement is dealing more with our relationship with those whom we serve with yes. on our teams? that what you're saying? Yes. Then explain advancement.
1: So advancement is that when those two things are happening, that there you are together with your team and you're, you're aligning with God. Right. They're often all mixed together. You're aligning with God. There's agreement as far as the direction you're going to head because people have gotten to know each other. You trust each other and mm-hmm, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then as you're praying and asking God, what do you want us to do? You're discerning his wisdom because he speaks and we're right. his sheep and we hear his voice and he wants us to know his right. wisdom. Right. So there, the three Fantastic. blend together. Uh-huh. And so in any given time at our ministry, we're we're really conscious and intentional about carving out time to do this at the beginning of any department meeting at staff meetings that are monthly at body of christ times that are weekly um it's it's part of our culture sure um and then we also have what we call life-giving rhythms that would be all throughout any given day any staffer has permission to pull away from her or his work to open the word and pick up on what they were reading that morning, or put on a worship song, or sit at their window and look out and sure. appreciate something in nature, or take a walk, or draw a word and markers of a word that um, was from a scripture they read that morning, anything to pause and reorient to God and refresh their spirit and maybe hear something from God. Right. but. It can be all throughout the day. You yeah. know, it's not just in these prescribed while you're in a meeting. So now we're going to do right. this. It's really,
0: yeah. Well, one of the main the things I love about your book is it's very practical. You talk about yeah. how you do this in your ministry yes. and how you've seen this work. And again, just for emphasis again, explain productive pause again. That yeah. term, yes. explain that again.
1: It would be that like we think productivity is hitting the ground running when we get to work, and that's how you're going to be the most productive. Actually, you're going to be the most productive if you pause with others all throughout the day to be aligned with God, to come into agreement with each other, and to let Him advance your ministry. And I mean, I just, I'm thinking of this, that as ministry heads, we're constantly giving glory to God. But literally, like, when do we ever do that? When do we just do it? uh, It's kind of like lip speak or something that we say. And we just give God all the glory for what he's doing at this ministry. And that's the one time you did it versus actually doing it, actually right. worshiping God. And so is it is it warranted? Is it right for a ministry to spend time doing this? I mean, initially I thought, are we wasting time on God? Well, that's impossible. <laughs> that He's is worthy impossible. of it. He wants to be in the mix. He is already present at our ministry, but we're often like just not talking to him.
0: Right. Right, exactly. You talk about spirit storming, what yeah. is that?
1: Yeah, so that's the opposite of brainstorming. Brainstorming is, of course, we know what that is. You're yeah. around a table and you're all throwing out ideas right. to see what might the best one be. Um, I was actually at a at a meeting, a retreat with leaders, and they were doing that, and it was like getting nowhere. And And I said, um, they said, what do you think, Lisa? And I said, you know, I really don't know what I think because we haven't prayed about it. And I didn't say it quite like that, but they said, well, I guess we prayed before the meeting. And I said, well, like if we would pray together, I think we would get a sense of what's on God's heart and what his wisdom is about it. And then we would know how to head, you know, instead of brainstorming, we can spirit storm. So spirit storming is that thing of like, I'd say, tuning your spirit into God's spirit together as a group. And then each person laying out what they're sensing that God's saying and then letting God shape it into what it's to become. And if somebody doesn't have something from God right there in that situation, well, then they wouldn't try to make something out, something up to prove that they heard from God. That's not a good idea. You just wouldn't say anything. Right. Um, but if God's giving you something and you're a quieter person and you're afraid to say it, You should get the courage to say it because you don't want to not say something that God wants the group to hear. So that would be spirit storming. Good.
0: Very helpful. Now, talk to me about how you take all these amazing truths, principles, realities that you've learned. It's all in the book, The Unexhausted Leader. You can pick it up at Amazon, pick it up at uh, your website. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's all in the show notes. And uh, can you get it through lisahasler.com anywhere? Yes. Okay, so it's available. You can find it almost anywhere. How, what do you say to someone who is working in a secular environment mm-hmm. and maybe they lead a team in a secular environment the company's not owned by a Christian and they want to apply these principles to their lives. They, they say yes and amen to everything you're saying. How do you, how do you do that in that type of a setting?
1: Yeah I would say that they should look around to see if there's another believer. Good who they could connect with, and they could start small, and it would just be the two of them, and they would set up regular times, maybe once a week, that they're going to get together, they're going to align with God, they're going to share honestly what's happening in their lives, they're going to pray, and they're going to listen and see what God wants the two of them to do to bless that company, and it will grow from there um
0: that's a great piece of advice I agree totally and before we, I want to ask you a couple other questions about some other things is there anything else about the book unexhausted leader you'd like to say yet again I highly recommend this book I've read it cover to cover it's a great book uh and learning what the productive pause is all about it's fantastic
1: it is transformational and if people haven't yet entered into this way of functioning which is by the way how the trinity functioned at creation it's how jesus that's functioned good. with the father and with his disciples yes. it's not it's nothing new but it's something that's easily overlooked um, and i guess i would like to say that if you have the mindset that you should have your personal time with the lord on your own and then when you're at work or at church you should solely be working then that's that's a mindset you'd want to take before the Lord that's and ask good. Him to change that up because really there isn't a compartmentalization in our relationship with God. It should be, yes, private, and yes, with other believers all throughout the workday. And if you'll make that change, God will radically change you you won't be a, an exhausted leader you'll become unexhausted but the main thing is that you'll be hearing from God and you, he'll advance your ministry right. in the way that
0: exactly he knows it's interesting the Lord's Prayer is our father in mm-hmm. heaven not my father it's our father mm-hmm. and so that mm-hmm. really gives credence to what you're saying the and corporate nature it's, of, it's the corporate nature yes, God the Father the God the Son God the Holy Spirit in our relationship with him obviously there's this connection we have with them one on one, but it, I love the corporate sense you're talking about. It's so good. You talked to me briefly about uh, you know the ministry that that you lead, the Life Ministries, uh, pregnancy centers or pregnancy services rather, strategic partnerships, and equipping resources. And uh, you t- talked to me offline here a bit about the curriculum for teens. Yeah, talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, so we used to like do great abstinence in the high schools, and then we did sexual integrity groups for girls. And then God led us to write curriculum for Christian teenagers. So that would be you know middle school through high school. Uh, so the curriculum is designed for youth leaders, for Christian school teachers, for homeschool mm. leaders, um, really anyone who has leadership with teens. And there are three volumes. The one is called Influencers, which talks about the six major influencers in a teen's life that pulls them toward premarital sexual involvement and how God wants to be and deserves to be the ultimate influencer in their life and how he designed sex to happen within marriage. And then the second one is pitfall of porn, which um, Christian teenagers involvement in porn is much like that of the world for both guys and girls. And so it would equip teens to get out of that trap of pornography. So good, so good. Uh, the writer of it is on staff with us, he was formerly a science teacher and so he uses science and the Bible, mm-hmm. I'd say the Bible and science to help teenagers get uh, extrapolated out of some of the addictive behavior they've awesome. gotten into. The third volume is called the gender volume, it's on all the gender issues that are happening in today's world and talks about God's original design and desire for the genders and then helps teenagers to anchor into how God has designed Mm. them and to find their comfort there and their identity there in him. And then also to know how to share the truth and love in the culture Mm. when these discussions come up. So it's very timely. They're um, hard copies, digital downloads, and also supplemental teaching videos. So a teacher wouldn't have to be the expert on this. There's, uh, There's video backing for that, that is state of the art. It's really well done.
0: Thank you, thank you for providing these resources for the body of Christ. And again, this is all in our show notes, so please avail yourself to that. All the information is on there as to how you can uh, pick this up. And uh, Lisa, in the future, we want to have another podcast in the future, uh, because just talking about how you personally walked through losing your husband, you went to heaven, earlier than was expected. And then how do you respond, how do others respond to you as a widow? And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about that. We want to talk about that in a a future podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd love
1: that.
0: Okay, we'll have you you back for that. Lisa, anything else you want to say here before we we close up this episode? If not, we're good. People
1: should um, buy the book. And we are not looking to make money on the book. We want people to experience the transformation, the intimacy with God that he has for you. And it doesn't just happen... Uh, like vicariously, it happens intentionally. And to whatever extent it's happening in your ministry or at your church, I would just want to say, there's more, even though it's been 24 years for us, God's still teaching us. So you can still grow in this. And um, yeah, I would hope that the book would help people with that.
0: Book is fantastic. I highly recommend it. The unexhausted leader living in the secret of productive pause. Lisa Hostler and Lisa, thank you so much for being yeah, on the podcast welcome. today. And uh, we will continue week after week to uh, interview leaders from throughout the nation of the world. And uh, one of the many reasons I'm so glad you're here today, Lisa, is God using women of God so powerfully in leadership. And you have modeled that for so many others and i so, so blessed that you're willing to take this time to do this. Thank but you. we will have you back and we'll talk more about uh, the, the you know the subject at hand you know how should the body of Christ relate to someone who's lost a spouse and and we want really want to talk about that and walk through that so thank you for joining right. me today yeah. you're welcome and thank you everybody for joining us here on the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast and we'll be back next week and uh, you can check out all the dozens and dozens of podcasts that are there as we interview leaders from many parts of the world learning the small things all changes we can make that make a massive difference in our lives and in the lives of those we serve. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.